Rootin', tootin', ready for shooting. I had to think about that in my head before I started the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jake Watson. And speaking of being rootin' and tootin', if you use Electrum Performance and get thick, uh, thick, mean, lean, and right way to say it, then uh, you're doing the right thing. We like to thank them before every episode, and we like to thank you guys for listening. My name is Jake Watson. I'm joined by my co-host, Danny O'Donnell. We're both co-hosts, so I should say I'm the co-host too, but uh, we're joined today by another entry into the 160-pound Black Belt Grand Prix for EUG Promotions, Isaac Deuterling, one of the best American competitors in the world today. Isaac, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing yeah. good. Just, uh, yeah, excited for next weekend. How are you guys doing? Good. Fantastic. Yeah, we're, we're excited awesome. to be there. I feel like it's like probably the best group of guys you could put together for under 160. So we've just been looking forward to it ever since it got announced. Yeah, I'm just happy that that there's an event that's uh, being that's being promoted for smaller guys. Finally. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, I feel like I feel like BJJ stars, BJJ bet, like all these events, they always throw like the same. It's always the same guys. It's like Marigali, Leandro Lowe, you know, like Philippe Pena. And it's just always the same mix. So I'm finally glad that that they're putting you know little guy, littler guys on the stage because I mean I mean we have great jujitsu too we have great jujitsu display and uh, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a great show. Yeah, mm. it's gonna be awesome. So Man, we've been yeah. asking everyone who's been coming on on the card like what their initial impression of the of the lineup was when they first saw it. So when you first saw all the names, what what were you thinking about about the event? Uh, I was just excited, man. These are, these are, these are, I mean, it's, it's kind of like a catchweight tournament because you get some guys coming down from lightweight as well. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, we didn't get a chance to have a world this year. And these are all guys that I've, I've, I've fought some of them and there's a lot that I've wanted to fight and never had the chance to. So it's just cool that finally, you know, we can, we can all get together and make this happen, especially since COVID. I don't think, I mean, other than pans, has there really been a big event for, for lighter guys uh, where, you, you know, where, where there's a lot of good matchups. I haven't seen too many, so I'm just excited. I'm excited to be part of it, man. You know, I'm really excited. Yeah, especially uh, a gi tournament as well. Like, I think yeah. that's important to know, too, is, like, uh, it's been a, a lot of no-gi. Like, not just a no-gi yeah. season, either. It's just, like, a lot of no-gi. Like, who's number one? I don't think. They've done one gi event and, like, five no-gi events. And I'm thinking, I'm yeah. like, damn. When are we going to get some gi again? And I'm glad that UG Promotions is putting on a gi event. Especially, I know you said earlier, it's always the same guys like Leandro and Nicholas Matagalli. I would venture to say, and this is not saying anything, but like I would venture to say you see more jiu-jitsu at the lighter weights. You see more, less athleticism, less like yeah. you know, athletic prowess and, and strength being used in jiu-jitsu. You see more actual technique. Think about a lot of the people yeah. in the bracket. People like uh, Jamil, yourself, uh people like Grippo and uh, Jonathan Alves, yeah, you guys are very strong. You are very athletic, but it's like a lot of jiu-jitsu, a lot of technicality. Um, and I know that we actually had uh, uh, Tiago Macedo pull out and were replaced by yeah. Johnny Tama. So we know that there uh, that happened. What's your opinion on that? How do you think that that uh, affects the bracket with, with uh, Mr. Tama in the bracket now? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, that kind of surprised me that, that Johnny popped in there. Um, it didn't surprise me that Tiago pulled out, <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, I, I was, I was betting that was going to happen, but, uh, but what do you call it? Uh, no, I think it'd be fun to have Johnny in there. He's a good friend of mine. So, uh, it'll be excited. I think there's going to be, yeah, that's three Alliance guys. That's three mm-hmm. Alliance guys in the, in the tournament. So that'd be cool. Was, but also Shane pulled out. Yeah. Shane pulled out. Yeah. As yeah he, he pulled out too. 
I don't know why. I think was, I heard someone said he got COVID, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to start any rumors. I don't really know what happened, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's too bad. That's someone I really wanted to fight. Shane, I think yeah. out of everyone in the whole tournament, like I wanted to face him the most. Uh, but yeah, it's too bad. Um, you know, things happen. I'm sure these guys had good reasons to uh, to pull out for sure. I don't think that they just, uh, you know, pull out, pull it out for no reason. So mm-hmm. definitely, yeah. So you said yeah. Shane was the the guy you wanted to fight the most. Are there any other matchups yeah. that you're looking forward to, or maybe like a couple with you guys you would want to fight, and then um, if you take yourself out of it, just matches you'd like to see. Um, I'd like to fight all the guys, man. I mean, not really anybody more than, than other, I, the one I really wanted to fight the most is Shane. Uh, I haven't fought him in a couple of years. Uh, we've always had a couple of close matches, but I feel like, you know, since the, that point I've gotten a lot better. Um, I've had a lot of good my matches with Marcio. He'd be fun to fight. Mateus Gabriel. I've never fought Mateus. Uh, obviously Andy and Jonathan, uh, their, their newer black belts haven't fought with them either and they're bigger. So that's what's cool about this tournament is that you w- wouldn't normally see those matchups. Uh, so yeah, man, I'm just excited to get in there and fight anybody, honestly. Yeah. Man, and awesome. as a fan, as a fan, yeah, I'm really excited to see these matchups too. Um, definitely. Uh, uh, who, I think Mateos, Mateo, cause I remember Mateos and Jonathan, they fought at the uh, spider. Spider, yeah, they had a really a good fight. match. Mateos won that one. Yeah. I'd like to see that match. And then I'd like to see Andy face those guys too, you know, as a, as a new black belt. It's just, this is a really cool event. So like I said, as a, as a fan of jiu-jitsu, being, it's, it's just going to be cool to be a part of it because you're going to see uh, a lot of really good matchups. Definitely. Yeah. So another interesting thing you, you touched on is that it's, it's under 160, so you get a mix of featherweights and lightweights. Um, yep. Is the weight like any issue for you? Do you kind of stay around 160 or usually a little bit lighter? Do you, does it uh, Normally, I walk around about 156, 157. But when I got the call for this event from Hector – I think four or five weeks ago, I've been trying to bulk up. So I'm waking up anywhere from 159 to 161-ish. Uh, but it's a lot of water, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. I normally fast. I normally fast. I usually don't have breakfast until after training around three. Uh, but one thing I'm doing now is I'm, I'm eating breakfast. So that's, you know, that's helping me keep my weight up. But if I go one day, like if I if I fast and, and I don't drink a lot of water, whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll wake up the next day like 157. Mm-hmm. So... So yeah, I mean the weight for me is no problem. Like this morning, I had like a couple pieces of toast. I went to I went to the mall. I had like a bagel. So I'm just kind of, I mean whatever right now. Last night I had all you can eat cream barbecue. <laughs> hey, so, so I'm chilling. I'm chilling. <laughs> yeah, it's That's probably fantastic. nice not to have to worry about your weight too. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's nice. 160 is a cool. It's a cool weight. But some of those mm. guys, I think, are gonna suffer to get down, right? Like Jonathan, oh, for sure. yeah, Andy. I mean, I'm guessing they walk around probably not in season or on middleweight. Yeah, we had Andy on. He said he was about 180 at the time, and that was what, Jake, like a month ago? Yeah, that was... uh, 180? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. And I think Jonas is probably about the same. Yeah, I know Jonathan is being super active right now. I mean, I know he competed yesterday and the weekend before at those those opens, so he's probably walking around, you know, I'm guessing probably lightweight without the gi, and it probably just cuts water. So I think for him, I think it's going to be tough, but... uh, but he's 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 trailing close already. So, yeah, I think one of the Especially coolest the day things, before. Yeah, that's for true. sure. 
One of the coolest things about the bracket is like the big spread of every variable you can put in a competitor, right? Like there's the heavier competitors. There's the different styles of competitors. Like we have like the heavier competitors being like Jonathan Alves, Andy Murasaki, and I would say Marcio Andre. Then you have the lighter competitor. Like you have some people who are usually lighter and then you have some people who are like right at 160. So it's, it's a pretty interesting uh, spread. And I, I don't know, you, you, you know, that the, you don't really know who you're going to fight. You have no idea who your first round is, yeah. and it won't even be found out until the day before the tournament. I think it's a pretty yeah. interesting thing. Can you give me your thoughts on that, about, about that form of putting, putting together a bracket and how that makes it interesting? I think from a spectator standpoint, it's, that's really entertaining to watch uh, just because you know there's not going to be seating. There's going to be no favoritism. So, I mean, it's honestly, it's, it's just pretty gangster yeah <laughs> it's really gangster you know there's no it's, it's like oh you've done this even now oh, it doesn't matter you, you may get you get it may get another really good guy for i mean everyone's really good but but uh, i mean yeah you just don't know who you're gonna get the first rounds the day before so it's made made my approach a little different because i'm always very you know i study a lot of jiu-jitsu uh a lot of jiu-jitsu and i like to study my opponents too but for this one i mean i have a good idea of what everyone does that i'm gonna be fighting but I never really went into too much detail on on everyone's game just because it was like, man, I don't know who I'm going to fight. I have yeah. no idea. So, I mean, um, I'm going to be hanging out with Mikey a couple of days before the tournament. So, I mean, maybe when we when we get the bracket, he'll help me game plan a little bit. But, yeah, for now, I'm just kind of kind of cruising. I have, like, a general overview of, like, kind of what, what I would do against everyone. But I haven't gotten into, like, deep detail because you just – I mean, you know, I may, I may study some guy for a couple hours and I won't even end up fighting him. So, it could just be a waste of time. So – so it's been it's been a, it's been interesting, you know. Uh, it's been a, I've had a different approach to it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about um, like twenty twenty as like as a whole because I feel like you had a ton of momentum like going into the, the pandemic. Like you had all those great matches with Paulo. You had won some yeah. like really big titles. You won Europeans, which was like amazing. Uh-huh. You fought mm-hmm. so good. It's like I, how was that transitioning from all that momentum into a period of so much uncertainty? Uh, yeah, it was tough. It was really tough for me. I feel like during the pandemic was a time for me to really focus on like techniques. And I, I didn't, I didn't do a lot of like high, high level training. I was just training, you know, at a buddy's house with a few friends during the whole time. So for me, that was very fun. And I was really enjoying that type of training. But at the same time, when everything kind of started back up, I, I kept that training going. And, and then I went to compete with that type of training and it was, you know, like I said, I was enjoying jiu-jitsu more. I was having a lot, a lot of fun because it wasn't like crazy, like pohada training all the time. But, but, uh, in reverse, like, because I wasn't getting that like high level push and that, uh, and that hard, hard training, I feel like that it kind of affected my, that affected my uh, competition results kind of towards the end of the year. I didn't have the best results uh i bought like pan ams I, I didn't have a good i didn't have a good tournament and then after that it just things weren't really right for me until until like the beginning of this year when i started to go back to corbinias i was training kennedy every day and we have a couple other really good light and uh middleweight black belts there so i feel like the yeah i mean the like 2020 having that uncertainty and that inconsistent uh, training definitely with me personally, uh, messed things up a little bit and it sucked because yeah, I had a lot of momentum coming into 2020, right? Like I had just come off of winning King of the Mats, Brazilian nationals, and then yeah. won the Europeans. And it's like, you know, that's, that's a great way to start the year is winning one of the grand slam tournaments. But then after the pandemic hits and then you just don't know what's going to be happening next kind of messes with you a little bit for sure. 
but everyone kind of went through that uncertainty as well. Right. So, yeah, but it was definitely tough because I, I really felt, you know, that 2020 at the beginning, I was like, man, this is the year I could feel it, you know, mentally, physically, technically, everything was, was, uh, was kind of, was, was falling into place finally, right. After being a black belt for, uh, four or five years. So, but everything happens for a reason and I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't change anything, uh, to get to this point, uh, I just, you know, learned, learned a lot of lessons. And even though like jujitsu, for example, um, the, the momentum got messed up a little bit, but you know, the other parts of my life was really cool too, right? I was, I had to be, I got to be home more with my daughter. She's a year and a half now. I, when, when the pandemic hit, I think she was three or four months. So from that until now, I've spent a lot more time with the family. Uh, I got to focus on a lot of other things like investments and, and little things like that. So, I mean, everything else, the pandemic may, I think helped me become more, more well-rounded. Right. But yeah, in terms of jujitsu, you know, everything was just kind of like, there was so much uncertainty and that sucked. Right. So, yeah, it was crazy. So, yeah. so you mentioned that like when you're in your, your normal training routine, it's training a lot at Cobrinas and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I know you've been like doing some teaching over the past couple of years that you, I think you taught at one of his affiliate schools for a period of time. So like yep. when things are normal and there's not a pandemic, what does like your weekly training schedule look like in terms of like how often you train with Cobrinha and then how much teaching you're doing and stuff like yeah. that? Yeah. So normally uh, what I usually do is I, I train every day at Cobrinha's at noon. Before that training, I'll get a couple hours in of uh, specific training drilling with a few partners. Sometimes I'll with one guy, two guys, three guys, we can kind of like all get together, collaborate and try to like figure out positions. Um, and then, and then I would teach, how many classes was I teaching? I think I was teaching 12 classes a week. So in a few of those mornings at like 9am, I'd be teaching a class. And then every night, normally I was teaching one or two classes as well. So, you know, just being, you know, I was just being on the mat more, teaching more, training a little bit more. So, um, but yeah, generally I, I, I was teaching at two, two gyms. I was teaching at one in Meraki in Santa Monica. And another one called uh, another one owned by Undefeated, the the clothing brand, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. close to close like closer to downtown in Echo Park. So I was bouncing around those two spots a lot. But uh, but yeah, basically te teaching and training all day every day was my schedule. Yeah, that is a lot of teaching. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I enjoy it, right? Yeah. Yeah, for me, I enjoy it because I feel like it makes me better. Because when I'm teaching, because I'm really passionate about teaching as well, um, I always like to show people what I'm working on. Right. So for me, it gets me, you know, makes me, because if I just kind of teach whatever uh, I will, like in terms of like fundamentals and things like that, I will teach with, with, with what's needed. But when it comes to advanced, advanced training, you know, I get really excited about techniques that I've been learning and passionate about them. I can't stop thinking about them. So I just like to share them with the class and then, and then watch them do the technique and then I can correct them and I can like, I can, I, and then I'm learning too, because I'm noticing little details that they're getting wrong and I'm realizing, oh, I may do naturally and I need to emphasize on that next time. So when I'm teaching, uh, focus on those details. So just overall, the experience is, is, is for me, I make it enjoyable for myself. Right. So it's like, some people could say it's draining. It's draining if you see it as like a job. And, and, but if you're, if you're, if you're taking advantage of it and just having fun with it, you know, it can make you better. Yeah. I think that's a really, really cool. What you said about teaching the stuff that you're excited about and the stuff that you're trying to incorporate in your game. Cause then you probably get to see, like you get to troubleshoot it from a different perspective too, right? Because like your your students are trying the techniques that you're trying to get better mm -hmm. at, so you get to see where it's working and where it's failing. Um, you, you think that's a big part of your development as a competitor too? Oh, definitely, yeah. That that's yeah, and it just makes it fun, for sure. But yeah, that's that's a big part of my development as well, and just more mat time, right? When you're teaching, you're on the mat. You're still 
engaged, you're thinking about jujitsu, you're, you know, you're doing it. So when you're teaching, you're essentially drilling as well. So definitely. So, yeah. So it all true. depends on your approach. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Were you gonna say something, Jake? No, I was gonna say that's true. Yeah. I feel like, uh, being a coach is, uh, very much helped me with my jujitsu. I like that you said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, I feel like you've been, uh, like professional jujitsu competitor and, and coach for a long time. So what, what are some of like the biggest challenges with that? Cause I feel like even like a lot of people from your generation who, you know, were getting really good results as like blue and purple belts. A lot of them mm-hmm. aren't around anymore. So yeah. what do you, what do you feel like are some of the biggest challenges just being a professional in a career that's maybe not as, as set as some other careers? Um, you have to be persistent. You have to be very persistent. I think, I think for me, I kind of put jujitsu, I prioritized jujitsu, uh, to a certain extent where it was all I had. So for me, it was like, this, it's all or nothing. And I've never been someone to just kind of, I, I've always wanted to achieve something big in my life. And if I, you know, if I, if, if I have a goal, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta achieve it. Right. So I just, I put it, I put my goals there in a pedestal and I said, either it's this or nothing, or I'm going to go back to Arizona, live with my family and work another job, go to school, whatever. Um, so for me, it also what was really important, I think for my focus was moving out of Arizona because, you know, I had a lot of friends over there, uh, really good friends even to this day, but you know, I was around a lot of partying and, yeah. and I had a lot of distractions. So for me, it was like getting out of my comfort zone and just kind of putting myself in a at a, in, a, in a place where I needed to succeed. So for me, it was like, as soon as I moved to LA, it was like, I was like, I have nothing here. I got a, I got a couch to sleep on. I've got a couple of friends from the gym, but that's it. So it's like, for me, I just immersed myself in that lifestyle and I gave myself no other option. So yeah, I've seen a lot of people from my generation, you know, cause I'm, I'm 28, I'm not young, I'm not old, but you see a lot of like people with potential through the years just kind of fall off. Right. Oh, like, yeah. Um, very few people are still around from like my generation. My generation would be like Edwin, Michael Liera, Marcio. We're all kind of from the same mix. Marcio might even be like a little bit earlier than me. Um, but um, but yeah, so it's like you see so many people with so much potential through that time, you just kind of fall off. But I just feel like for me, I just gave myself no other option, and I just immersed myself in lifestyle. I said it's either this or that. It's either this or failure. So. So for me, just putting myself in that position and, and just also having the hunger of always wanting to improve, asking questions, I, you know, I'd go to a competition, even if I lost, I'd still come back and, and try to fix everything, everything that I, that I felt like I needed to work on and things that went well, I would use that to motivate me. Okay. That's good. I can focus on getting better at that for the next one too. So just the little goals, I think little goals is what also helped me, uh, uh, through that time. Right. But yeah, I mean, it can be tough. It can be tough, especially, uh, you know, failure, failure is never easy, but if you just give yourself another option and you love what you do, then you know, at the end of the day, you can achieve whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Advice. Does, does that answer that. your question? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you touched on something else I wanted to ask you too, because I feel like one of the things I notice with people who have long careers in jujitsu is their mm-hmm. game evolves past the time when they get their black belt, like their game looks very yes. different from when they first get their black belt yeah. to 10 years into black belt, five years into black belt, whatever it mm-hmm. may be. And I noticed that with you a lot too. Like I, I went back and watched some of your matches. I think it was like 2017 ish, mm-hmm. like maybe beginning of 2017 mm-hmm. was like when you were a newer black belt and your game looks a lot different now than, than it did in those matches. So yeah. what, what do you, what do you think is, um, 
what are some of the ways you think your game developed? Like, was it more so just from trying to correct some of your mistakes or was it, you know, inspiration from other competitors or how, how did you kind of stick to that path of always trying to improve and add new things to your game? There's a little bit of everything. Uh, I knew what, what I was missing in my game and I, I would always have a hard time trying to figure out what it was. So, or no, sorry. I would figure out how to add these things. Like, you know, for example, like passing, right. When I was first got my black belt, I had, I had good like pressure passing. I'd be good in like, you know, half guard and daily heaven and things like that, but I wouldn't know what to do when I was free. And I, and I'd watch all these guys like being able to like move side to side tore on those and create angles. And I just, would, I was just so like mesmerized by how they were able to do things like that. And so I just, I, I just spent a lot of time trying to uh, understand those games and, and, and troubleshooting on my own with a few friends. We'd kind of like get together. And so I, I think just the hunger of like, the hunger of wanting to be better and then seeing where my holes were and literally making like a check, checklist and trying to add, add little things here and there, you know, and every, every year, every couple of months is, I'm always trying to be, be better than I was before. And I feel like some, a lot of people, when they get their black belt, they, they think, all right, I'm a black belt. What I've been doing my whole career is what I'm good at. So I have to stick to that now. And I think you have to have that white belt mentality of, of no, like I can, I can still add this. I can be better here. I can be better there. So, um, you know, once again, it kind of comes back to that, to that hunger, uh, to that hunger of just wanting to be better. And then just don't, don't be afraid to ask questions and study. You know, I've taken private lessons with, you know, I've taken private lessons like Gustavo Batista. Like I drove to, my parents live in San Diego now. I like visited them this summer and or last summer, I, like I took a private with him and, and, you know, I, I just think that you have to be able to be humble enough to ask questions and be honest with yourself too. I think a lot of it's being honest with yourself. Like when you compete, even if you win, you got to look, you got to look at the match and see like, okay, what could have been better? If, if there is a moment where I felt that this is a really big, actually, if there's a moment in a match or in, in training where you feel like lost and you're like, Oh, like, what can I do here? What, what's going on? Why don't I know? Why don't I know what to do? What's the answer? Like, those are the, those are the moments that I like, I write down and say, okay, why was I not able to uh, like improvise in that moment? What was, what was blocking me? What, what did I feel like? A, like, what, what did I feel? Uh, why did I feel like I, I couldn't do anything? So then that would make me, you know, look back and, and really start to focus on those scenarios and just find answers, look for answers. And rather I can figure the answer out myself or I ask the question or I look it up on YouTube and I see someone else like kind of figuring out those scenarios. I just make sure like every hole, in my, I try to make sure that every hole that I have is filled, right? I still have a lot of holes. Everyone does. But I think the goal is just to fill up as many holes as you can, right? Yeah, I think that's that's awesome advice to kind of look at your training rounds or your competition matches and, like, positions where you feel like you don't know what to do. That's, like, a great avenue to explore and to really uh, add things to your game. Yeah, because we all, we all have those moments in competition where you feel like, you know, every now and then or maybe it's very – consistent for some people where they have the moment where you just kind of have like a block and oh it's happening again like what like what's going on why am I feeling like this what so my goal is to eliminate that as much as possible so if I ever have that thought or that feeling I try to go back to where I was in that moment and say okay what could I have done better so that I'm not lost again and I can just keep keep the ball rolling you know yeah for sure I think the other interesting thing that you you touched on was I feel like some competitors especially if they have like a lot of success at blue and purple and they're winning a ton of stuff at the lower belts like you said, maybe they feel like their game's kind of good where it's at and they've already been successful. So maybe 
maybe almost sometimes if you're really successful, it's even harder to have that mentality where like you have to keep evolving if you're, cause if you're doing the same things, getting really good results, sometimes it can be hard to kind of challenge yourself and be like, sure. okay, but I can still get better here. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. So you, you did mention earlier that you like to, uh, to study a lot of jujitsu. So do you mm -hmm. have like a certain way that you like to do that? Is it mostly competition footage? Is it instructionals? Um, is it kind of a blend of both? Um, a lot of it's competition footage. I usually don't go too big on instructionals just because, well, nowadays the, the level of teaching is getting a lot better. People are starting to give like overviews of positions before, before they teach, teach the, uh, like a DVD or something like that. Some people, you know, they just go and say, Oh, I do this move. And after I do this move and this and that, but I feel like, you know, the, the instruction is getting better nowadays to where, where you can actually really a high level guy can really get a lot out of learning from the DVD. Before it was mainly, um, it was mainly competition footage, studying my own stuff or people that I look up to. But now, yeah, I'll study DVDs. Like I, get, I have like a lot of Mikey DVDs. So yeah, so yeah I study a lot of his stuff. His, his stuff's ones. good. I have like nine, I have like eight, or, eight of his DVDs or something like that. They're really good. Um, he's a good friend of mine. So it's like, I know from training with him how he thinks we have, we have a very similar thought process. So whenever I get his stuff, I soak it all up. But, um, but yeah, I try, yeah, I definitely do like a lot of studying in, in, in every way, right? Studying myself. Um, you know, I recently at Corbinia's, he's been letting us like film our training. So it's like, I film all my rounds and I, I go home and I study them. Like it's homework every day. Uh, or if I see something that's working on me, like, okay, so-and-so passed my guard today or, or I, I couldn't do anything in this scenario. Why I try to figure out what I can do to fix it. But also I try to see if I can add that to my game as well. So just all kinds of studying, you know, you know, that's funny. You bring up, you bring up, you've brought up. Mikey Musumeci on a couple occasions. What effect has he had on you, like as a whole, hanging out with him? And like, when did you start hanging? When did you start training with him? And how big of an effect has he had on you? Oh, he's had a huge effect on my game, especially that footlock that I do. Yeah, <laughs> uh -huh. he, he taught me. He taught me how to do that. Um, That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So, man, he's helped my game out a lot. We fought once. Our our first, both of our world first worlds at black belt. We fought in 2016. I won that one. It was a very close match. And then he, we fought again, the war, his first world, the first time he fought, or sorry, the first, uh, we, we fought again in 2017 when he won his first world title. But before that we met, we, we hung out in Abu Dhabi together and we just really kicked it off. And we realized, Hey, we have a very similar, uh, like, like thought process when it comes to jujitsu. And we really hit it off because we're both like nerds. And, uh, after <laughs> 2017, I wasn't going to fight light feather anymore. It was just too much of a weight cut for me. Uh, so I started to go up the feather. So we just kind of made this little, this little, uh, what's the word? I don't know. We just kind of made like a, like a truce and say, all right, well, we're in different, we're in different divisions. Let's just help each other get better. So periodically throughout like 2018, 2019, we would just meet up, hang out, exchange a bunch of techniques. It's like after hanging out with them, I'll come back with like, I don't know, like 20 moves, like 20 conceptual moves and then my game will change a lot. So he's had a huge, even maybe even more than he realizes he's had a huge impact on my, on my career and on my, uh, just the way that I view jujitsu. So it's a very special friendship that we have. It's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. The oh, footlock that awesome. you do that you said you learned from him is so effective. Like so many people I feel like try and study your footlock and try and get the details. Cause you, you tap a lot of people with it and you do it from yeah. like you do it from bottom a lot too. Like where guys are tapping when they're, um, on top still so it's like interesting that you yeah. can do it without even putting their hips on the mat yeah yeah i do it. i like i like to do it more from uh yeah when they're standing 
and they're standing. I just kind of manipulate their weight to where the le the weight's off that foot, and then I make them put weight back on it, but then they can't like step on the floor and then break their foot. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's the goal. Yeah, and I really, yeah, I really like that move. Uh, yeah, people think that I like. I just that I don't know some some people that don't don't know my game too well that have just started following me like when I started doing the foot locks. Some people think that's like all I have, but it's like I I don't even I mean. If it's there, I'll go for it, but I don't, I don't force it, right? I don't, I, I'm not the guy that's like, that's like going to the competition. Oh, I'm gonna full lock this guy. That's that's all I have. No, it's like I'm trying to do whatever I want to do, but I just see it. And I, oh, it's there. I'll go for it, right? So, I think that's really important. I think sometimes specialists, specialists, they do well, but at the same time, it's like it's like a double-edged sword because sometimes they, they get tunnel vision. And that's all. Like, oh, I'm so good at this now. It's all I want to do, and then they forget. Like, there's a lot of other jitsu that you gotta. You gotta pay attention to. It's like, yeah, if you can get there, great. But if not, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole, there's a lot left in the picture. So, yeah. I struggled. Yeah. I struggled with that for a very long time because I really like. I like learned Footlock when I was like blue belt, and I was like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. this beautiful thing that works so well. And then I got the purple belt, and it kept working a little bit. But then I started to get my guard pass sort of, and then brown belt, my uh, my Footlock stopped working as well, just because I, I was also trying to do everything else. And then yeah. I was getting my guard pass. I was like, oh, God, I got to take a little break and get some <laughs> passing and get some guard retention. And it was yeah. just funny. I, I learned that lesson. I'm glad I learned it at Brown Belt. So when I got to Black Belt, I didn't suck completely. But, like, you know, it was it was an interesting lesson to learn. Yeah, it's really important to, to not, like, tunnel vision on things. And you got to – that's one thing I also, I also focused on, I think, that made a big difference for me in 2019 when I, when I made kind of – when I had the kind of a breakthrough was – I stopped identify. I stopped identifying myself as a. Oh, right now I'm a spider guard guy, or today I'm a omoplata guy, or I'm a like a flying leg drag guy. No, I just started to say, you know what? I'm just I'm a fighter, and I gotta. My goal is to achieve flow state, and whatever's in front of me, I'm gonna take it, and I'm gonna get the whatever grips I have. I'm gonna run with what I got, and yeah, and I'm just gonna. My goal is to get the flow state and to do this all without thinking. So I think that helped me a lot instead of just being like, oh, today I'm with this guy. I'm with that guy. I'm a bolo guy. You know what I mean? It's just you have to be able to, at the end of the day, there's a difference between a specialist and then a master. A specialist is someone who's good at like maybe one or two things or three things. But a master is someone who has the ability. He's been, he's, he's at different points in his career, been specialist in each part. And eventually he's able to kind of put them all together. Um, and and just like see the whole picture and not force but just start to feel and, and take as opposed to like uh chase one one thing or another mm -hmm. yeah i think that's great i can definitely notice that in your game like there's things that you do like with some consistency but there's also like you do everything it's not like you're just pulling guard every match like you pass all the time like mm -hmm. you said um passing from the outside passing with pressure Doing yeah. a lot of stuff, so it's been really cool to watch that that whole evolution of your game, even just since you got your black belt, which isn't really that long ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So an another thing that you've uh, kind of been doing since the pandemic is you've been doing that breakdown show with Mikey. So can you talk yeah. about like what that's been like? Because uh, th those are really good episodes. I feel like if people watch those, they can get a lot of like technical insight. It's really cool just to hear you guys like talk about matches like as fans too. So what's that been yeah. like doing that? That, that? That's been pretty cool. We haven't done that in a while. Uh, what's his name? Michael um, Sears. Michael Sears. He's been super busy. I think with who's number one, he's been traveling. So we haven't been as consistent with the show. But I, lo I love doing the show. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, uh, Mikey and I, you know, it's just it's just fun for us to talk about jujitsu and breakdown techniques. I think the people enjoy watching it too because we have like a 
we have like a certain frequency of like seeing techniques. So it's like, it's like we're yeah. speaking another language. So, so, so a lot of people, they always tell me, Oh, it's like, we just like to hear you and you and Mikey talk about certain techniques and try to understand what you guys are talking about. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that shows, that shows me super fun. I'm hoping, I'm hoping soon we can get back on it. I don't know, but, but yeah, I mean, ever since we started, we've been getting a lot of feedback, so it'd be nice. It'd be nice to get that started again. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Jake, have you uh, caught any of those episodes? You know, I caught the episode where they went over. I don't know if you were on it, Mr. Doidelin. I think that might have been when Tommy Langecker was on it. I haven't caught any of the oh, okay. Isaac and Michael uh, episodes, but I'm definitely going to be leading up to EOG, EUG. It's going to be nice to see how your brain also works analyzing matches. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I uh, other than to get my Michael Sears impression, uh, I don't watch. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't. Uh, haven't seen too much of Mr. Sears's content. <laughs> that's, that's a joke but uh no i definitely uh will be will be turning into it i know that you and mikey share um because i see you guys work together and i and i see that you guys have a a similar mind for it and i think that that's very very valuable i think mikey is uh definitely uh, a gem like a, a very important figure in the community because of how i mean you saw yesterday like two days ago and who's number one my man went out there and then and, and fundamentally dismantled his opponent in a way that I have yeah. not seen a nogi. I have not seen a guy who doesn't do nogi do that to a nogi guy ever. <laughs> yeah, that was and, yeah, that was crazy. That was insane. I was watching. And I'm like, this is like, it almost doesn't look fair. That's how crazy <laughs> good it was. You know what I mean? It almost looked like yeah. Mikey had a cheat code on. So yeah. um, it was it was really really cool to see. I think he's very important. Uh, people understand kind of how his brain works. It could help out the community a whole bunch. Yeah, he views jujitsu in a very different way. He sees mm-hmm. things very. Uh, he just got has a, he has a deep understanding of anatomy of like the body and how everything works and balance and all that. Where most people look at jujitsu in terms of moves and grips, he sees it as like body positioning, balance, like where your shoulders are. Like if your shoulders are here, your shoulders are there. Like that's where your weight is, and it's just it's it's super crazy. And just to like get a little taste of that, and just when you start to understand it, it makes jujitsu way more fun. So I think that when you see jujitsu like that. As a, instead of like grips and and moves, you see it more as like from the, the body positioning, all that. It makes it super easy for Nogi because Nogi's all body positioning and, mm-hmm. and, and and making those adjustments. So I think he's gonna have a he's he's gonna have a really good Nogi career as well. Yeah, I've noticed that in his instructionals, he talks about that like weight distribution and body positioning a lot. And uh, yeah, I feel like that's like you said one of the reasons why he's able to translate his knowledge that he has in the gi to no gi is is mm-hmm. no gi something that that interests you as well because like we were talking about earlier pretty much all the the super fights and like who's number one it's pretty much all no gi mm-hmm. is that something you kind of want to dive into as well like mikey's doing yeah definitely i think for me i've always just had had my goals in the gi where i've always wanted to win worlds uh a couple times and then and then afterwards think about no gi um so so yeah, hundred percent. I like no gi. I just I feel for me it's like I, I make so much progression in the gi that I don't want to slow that progression down and then go to no gi and kind of like split my time. I want to just really focus on one, and then after I can go all in on the other. So, so yeah, for me the goal is to win worlds and after focus on no gi. It's yeah, kind of been right. a big thing. But I mean now with us not even knowing if there's even going to be a worlds this year because the I don't think the situation in Brazil is getting any better. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think they're having like a third wave or something like that. That's what I heard. Like the vaccine, like even like the vaccine distribution's corrupt. Like you know how everything in Brazil is corrupt. Like they're even yeah. being corrupt with the vaccine. <laughs> and uh, so who knows if there's gonna be a worlds? So if there's no worlds in sight, and after this tournament, I may just uh, I may start dabbling more with Nogi just because I mean there's more there's more events going on in it, and it's it's fun. It's a lot of fun. So. Definitely. Yeah. I think IBJJF said last year that they were going to only have the worlds if the borders were open. So like you said, with Brazil being crazy and yeah. the situation being different in other countries, it's it's so sad though to think that there's going to be two full years without the worlds. I know. I, I, ho- I really hope not. I really hope not. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. I mean, here it's getting better. I'm sure other countries is getting better. Like Europe, I think they're making it mandatory, but the third world countries, I think is where it's going to get a little tricky which Brazil's a third world country. So, and a lot of their top competitors are coming out from there. So let's see what happens. Yeah, definitely. So I wanted to ask you too about like, like, cause you mentioned how much you teach and stuff like that. So do you mm-hmm. have plans for opening your own academy? Is that something that, um, that you have, that you want to do after you're done with your competitive career? So the idea of that has always, uh, I've always liked the idea of that after seeing the pandemic happen, <laughs> Yeah. And seeing what it's done to business owners, <laughs> business owners has kind of made me think twice about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. We'll see right now. I definitely want, when I'm retired, I definitely want to go the Danaher route. And I really want to, since since I like coaching, I feel like the way that I study jiu-jitsu is, it makes it easier for me to really uh, uh, relate to re- relate relate to students when it comes to teaching. Um, makes me that that idea intrigues me of, of teaching high level competitors and helping people compete at the highest level so obviously too i want to help out and i want to teach like blue belts and hobbyists as well but i think for me that my passion would be moved over to that so if that means me having my own academy or doing something differently to make something like that happen you know uh i'll do i'll do kind of whatever 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 i have to so but but i have other investments too like i i want to i'm I'm looking to be an entrepreneur as well. So, so when I retire, my goal is to have a lot of things going, not just one. For sure. Yeah. One of the other things I think that you're doing right now, that's really cool is like the webinar style of instructional. Yeah. Uh, Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Cause I think you've, how many have you done so far? Is it just one? I've done two. I've done two two webinars. Yeah. Now we're kind of taking a break just because the focus on the tournament and everything, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's been super cool. I have, I have my own website, uh, dotalinejujitsu.com and my, my partner Gabe and I, we've been really pushing to market that and, and eventually use that as a webinar platform for other, other athletes as well. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And also I would like to sell my own, uh, do my own DVDs through that website. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's just kind of been a little side gig that I've been working on. The web, web, webinars have been great. The first one was on the footlock. Second one was on footwork passing from the seated guard. And we had a good turnout. They were both, they were both uh, maxed out and, yeah, people loved it. Our our idea was to film the webinar, and then sell the webinar as as like a as as like a as like a cheaper version, and then and then later on, film a DVD and sell that like more refined uh, version as well. So, our plan was to sell the the footwork one, but then I guess something happened with the camera. One of them didn't one of them, one of them didn't record, so I don't think we're gonna end up selling that one. So for now, we're just gonna. I think after this tournament, we'll we'll put some focus to. Uh, to filming a, a passing DVD for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I love how you're doing that kind of on your own. Like, obviously, I like Jujitsu X and BJ Fanatics, but it's cool just to see you take that entrepreneurial path and kind of 
you know, hopefully you can make a little bit more money doing it that way. And um, it'll just be a unique way to market it, I feel like, as well. Yeah, and also the, the idea eventually is to, is to find a way to make a platform for other people as well. Mm-hmm. So maybe if someone else, like for example, you guys wanted to do your own webinar, you could you could use my platform, and we could, you know, we can kind of give you the script and help you. Since we've we've, hopefully by by that point we've 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 gone through all the trials and errors, and we can help you guys like have like a clean, like a clean uh, experience, you know. So that's the idea. Let's see if that happens or not, uh, with everything else that's going on. But but that's the idea that we have. That's awesome. Well, Mr. Doyleane, we'll, we'll definitely be letting you know. Uh, I think Danny O'Donnell has a lot of techniques that he'd like to show. No, no. no honestly, I'm so sick to death of you denying that. Danny O'Donnell is a black belt as well. Um, I know. But yeah, yeah, right? You know that. He acts like a, he acts like a freaking Jelly Belly Welch, right? So, so here, high level black belt too. But yeah, no, we'll be at the uh, we'll be at the UG event and we'll be the seeing everything it's going to be really awesome i really like that you do that for the community i think that's you know because a lot of you have a lot of mixed opinion opinions about the pandemic and i think you know i mean even going to las vegas for a a tournament i and being able to do it is pretty good for you know a year into the pandemic um uh, i really like that you do the webinar thing i didn't know did did you start it so you started that you were kind of the Mm -hmm. one the first one to put that out there that's awesome because yeah, I think other yeah, people yeah. have taken that. I know Roberto has taken that. Nick Salas and Danny Myra have taken that idea. And uh, mm-hmm. and I'm like, from you. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. It's cool to, it's cool to have some influence in that way. Yes. <laughs> definitely. So, Jake, do you have any more questions for Isaac before we – No, uh, I don't. I don't have any more no. questions. I definitely want to thank you for coming on, though. That was a lot of fun. And um, I'm really – as this event comes – it's a week away now. I'm very excited for it. I am. Uh, I'm stoked. I can't wait to go out there and like be a part of. I think this is going to be a pretty special event, given that it is one of the uh, first events mm-hmm. in a while that features the lighter weight classes. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see how everyone does. It's uh, it's really cool that we get to like everybody kind of has the same opinion. Like they're all excited. It's kind of an uncertain thing, and we'll see. I mean, dude, every, I feel like there's not one bad fight. If anybody fight any permutation of matchup yeah, that happens, it's good. no bad fight. Yeah. It's a, a good fight all the time. Yeah. Even in the first round, there's no, yeah, it's going to oh, be yeah. exciting. It's going to be fireworks from beginning to end, especially with the rules. For sure. I think the wait. no double guard pull, the 50-50 stuff, so that'll make it fun. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So do you have any uh, sponsors or any friends you want to thank? Yeah, so I just want to shout out, give a shout-out to my sponsors, uh, Undefeated, uh, and and Ubatuba Acai for always keeping my belly full. <laughs> nice. Nice. Where are they based out of? Oh, you're in Vegas, right? No, I'm in, LA. I'm in LA. Oh, you live in, in LA? LA. Yeah, I live in LA. Yep. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. I thought you lived in Las Vegas. No, no Vegas. Right, Mikey, cool. Mikey's in Vegas. You got confused. Yeah, Mikey's in Vegas. So. That's probably why I thought that. Yeah. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> okay. All right, Jake, you want to thank uh, our sponsors? I do. So we want to thank Electron Performance for keeping our thighs thick and our biceps <laughs> torqued. And uh, we want to thank uh, Marcio Andre Academy, Maracaba BJJ, and Agro Brand. And Agro is keeping us looking sharp with that logo. That logo is so clean. Oh, I have no pun for it. I, my brain is not working. That's how clean it is. Um, but, yeah, we want to thank you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to leave a review on iTunes and Spotify. Stay tuned for the next episodes that are coming up. And be sure to follow UG Promotions because they are the ones putting on this spectacular event. Follow Isaac Dorderlane at all of his social media, uh, at Isaac Dorderlane uh, on Instagram. And, yeah, come on, guys. This is, we're, 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 we're one week away. Get excited.
<laughs> get turned. Grab your uh, grab your non-alcoholic beverages and get turned. <laughs> Let's do it. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks again to Isaac for joining us. This is episode. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate. It. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, it was course, awesome. Thank you. Hopefully, hopefully we can do it again, and we'll definitely meet up. Yeah, at, definitely uh, in Vegas. That'd be awesome. Hundred percent. Cool. Can't wait. So, yeah. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. This was episode eighty-seven, and we will see you guys soon.